Like Family with Brenda Donoghue. On this special Christmas night edition of Like Family, we celebrate the Irish women's hockey team who took home silver medals in World Cup 2018 and the families that support them. Adrian, Ali Meek's mum. I always knew Ali at some stage would play for Ireland. Never did I think she'd be winning a silver medal in the World Cup final. Just unreal. Greta, Deirdre Duke's mum. Brenda, I stood up on the sideline and started to dance with another player's father. We were dancing on the sideline. Pauline, Roisin Upton's mum. They went to the World Cup and they won a match. Everything was a bonus afterwards, but the bonuses just kept on coming and coming and coming. And I was... Brilliant. <laughs> and you can join the conversation on Twitter at Brenda Donahue or email Brenda at RTE.ie. The August Bank Holiday, Dublin, 2018. And the traffic was stopped as the silver medalists of the Irish women's hockey team were welcomed home. They touched down in Dublin Airport mid morning. What a reception, as Ali Meek explains. News cameras, photographers, uh, Shane Ross making crazy announcements, you know, everything was just, just mad. It was just weird because I remember when Katie Taylor won gold medal at the Olympics, I went out to welcome her back at the airport and it was like the flips, I was, you, just when you're on the other side of the fence, it's just mad. Um, and people who, like, you know, that you haven't seen in, in years were there and you're going, Jeannie, like, you know, Rob, how, I haven't seen you and forever. Like, he was my football coach, me and Nicky's, and he was there and with his son and just, it was just lovely. Um, and then we got to town, Dame Street, and we, we saw the stage and we said, oh my, there's a stage, you know, is anyone coming to this? Deirdre Duke was worried. I remember being in the civic reception, all our parents and a lot of our families and friends were there and, you know, people saying, you know, do you know anyone who's coming to this stage on Dame Street? Like, you know, this is... Like, it's going to be embarrassing. Like, what are we going to do? Like, you know? And, oh my God, we walked out and it was just crazy. Roshin Upton picks up the story. We made our way down and it was just a roar of, you know, people just screaming. It was just so surreal. Even, you know, I rewatched the videos on my phone still. Deirdre. And all our family were in, like, the front you know, and I remember like looking out and seeing an old GA coach of mine from Chemical Croaks, you know, and you just, you can't, you know, it's just, it's incredibly surreal, like that that many people would make an effort like that to come. I think it was a bank holiday Monday, maybe in August. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy for us. Assistant coach Arlene Boyles explains why they were so taken aback. We lived in a bubble, Brenda. We hadn't a clue what was going on over here in Ireland. So to walk out onto that stage and see, you know, as far as I can see people, was just something to behold. And I, and I think that's maybe where it hit us a little bit. Um, wow, we really did grab the nation a little bit here, didn't we? Ali. All of these people, like hockey players, non-hockey players, friends, family, you know, people you met years ago, just everybody was just there. The street was just full. And I'll never forget it, when I walked up onto the stage and you can see the crowd and you're going, wow. The first actual two people I saw properly and that I could take in were two of the schoolgirls that I coach, uh, which was really nice. They were sitting up, they were on the news actually, they were sitting up on a window ledge up above the crowd. And it was mad and then obviously you see the crowd and you start spotting the faces, you know. So it was crazy, it was really, it was something else and it was nothing we expected at all, like we were just blown away. And then we sang, yeah, of course, we sang and everyone joined in. And, oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's funny that people even associate that song with us now, you know. Make my wish come true, baby, all I want for Christmas is you. I don't want a lot for Christmas, 
full volume down Dame Street in the middle of the summer and thousands of people singing All I Want for Christmas with us on stage having a sing and a dance. It was just, yeah, it was just mad. Summer of 2018 was one of the hottest on record, so how did a Christmas song become their song? Well, it was the 20th of July, the night before the World Cup. How do you describe the anticipation when Zoe Wilson said it was like Christmas Eve, her teammate Ali knew exactly what she meant? It literally was the most fitting description of how I think we all felt. It was like Christmas Eve in the middle of July. And I think everyone can relate to that feeling. It was Christmas Eve. Um, It was a struggle to a point to get asleep, but I knew I was ready as well. Do you know that kind of way? Like, we'd done the prep. There was nothing more to do. I was feeling just like Christmas Eve, ready to go. And, yeah, off I went to bed, dreaming of hockey. Elsewhere in the team hotel, Roshan was restless. The night before the World Cup, we decided to have a ban on our phones and nobody kind of knew what to do with themselves. You know, we didn't get a half hour of sleep. Everybody was just so excited. So I decided to write out all the clubs that I'd been involved with on an Irish flag, you know, because I thought I'd love, you know, for all the people that didn't get to be here in the stadium to realise that they had a huge part to play. But, you know, if it comes back to... Um, the main people then it's definitely my mum and dad and you know I'm 24 now and they're always the first ones on the sidelines it doesn't matter where we are The team had visited the Lee Valley Stadium before bedtime You know we took a few photos on on the pitch like the the night before the first game you know when it was empty and quiet and it was you know I remember a coach saying you know just imagine this you know tomorrow it's going to be you know take it all in now because tomorrow it's just going to be you know bedlam you don't really have time to think Deirdre had just rejoined the squad after attending the funeral of her beloved nanny Sadie, you know it was all it was all a lot, um, and three days after the funeral, I kind of had a bit of a a moment. Um, we have a sports psychologist with our team, and I remember down in the reception, and is it the Talbot in Slorgan? Yeah. And I rang him and I said, "Gary, can you please come down here? Like I'm kind of at a loss, you know." So um, I didn't play in in Dublin in the last one of the last games um, for the World Cup. Um, you know, because it was just all getting a bit much. It had been a tough week, but what Deirdre didn't know was that on the following day, in their opening match against Team US, she would play a game that she will remember for the rest of her life. July 21st, and the match day routine kicked in, as Ali explains. We started our day as we did um, with our markers. So we went down actually to the very bottom floor of the hotel. Sure enough, as as we were on our way down the lift, you know, bumping into Zoe Wilson, happy Christmas, girls, happy Christmas, you know. So straight away that Christmas feeling was there, you know, the giddiness. So we all kind of skipped down to reception um, and did that. And then what we did, we headed out to um, kind of a, a park or a pedestrian roundabout, if you call it, where we did our mo- morning mobility. So we'd stretch every morning. So off we went, um, plopped ourselves the normal spot and out comes the speaker because we'd always do it to music to, you know get a bit of a buzz going and of course we whacked on the, the speaker and all I want for Christmas blaring out the middle of London business district you know suited people 
walking around it's kind of going what are they at there you know in the middle of the place it was all about the routine according to Roisin even though we like to think we're not a superstitious team we sat on the same seats we had the same playlist routine we went through the exact same playlist even in the changing room for the 40 minutes beforehand with certain songs that everybody would get up and dance to so it was kind of just the whole match day routine this is this is Baby by Justin Bieber um, featuring Ali Meek (laughs) and I was like baby Baby, baby, oh, like baby, 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 oh, thought you'd always be mine. Good End of. Thanks and a million. <laughs> and you would I never this. thought I'd be doing that in the kitchen with you guys, <laughs> <laughs> let alone the changing room before a match. So I would do that. Um, then we listened to The Spark and Zoe Wilson and Chloe Watkins. It was their song. They kind of get everyone up, a bit of clapping going, a bit of a conga line around the change room. So there was little routines like that that stuck. Um, but we had a good laugh. It was just relaxed. It was good fun. It was singing. It was dancing. It was really chilled, um, which I think is really important. And the good mood continued into the tunnel. You know, everybody was just absolutely beaming and it was so sincere and it was just complete elation that you actually, you know, you weren't running out to play in front of like five people. It was a 10,000 seater stadium and it was for your country and all of your family were in the stands. Um, you know, you're even looking at the US girls and they have the most serious faces on and, you know, you'd never think that you're going to run out to a World Cup final beaming because people might assume that you're, you know, you're not focused, you're just happy to be there. But we were and it was because we were so confident that, you know, that we knew what we were doing, that we didn't have to worry about that so we could, we could enjoy the moment as well. Just as tip-off was about to happen, the... The man over the loudspeaker would shout, you know, who's here for USA? Woo! And who's here for Ireland? And it was... <laughs> Your whole body is tingling and you're just about to tip off at a World Cup and it's, it was just so surreal. And in the stands were family members, including Ali's sister, Jess. I had this funny, like... Not funny feeling, but like just these butterflies in my stomach from like the moment we kind of woke up that morning and I just had this weird feeling. I was like, I feel like the girls are going to play the game of their lives saying they're going to pull it out of the bag and surprise everyone. Roshan's mum, Pauline. i never forget the heat, just the sing songs, the atmosphere, the buzz. Ali's mum, Adrian. The crowd were amazing. Fair play to the stewards. They actually grabbed us, brought us all in together because we were sitting in different locations on the stand. Deirdre's mum, Greta. We were really lucky that there was some man from Stillorgan that had, was one of the main security people in the stadium. And because he just was Irish living in London for 14 years or so, he was kind of corralling us all in. So it looked like there was a way bigger crowd. And that mattered. So when we came out onto the pitch, we turned and faced the dugouts and there was a massive kind of green contingency just over to the side of the dugouts. You know, I could see some of them where they sat straight away, but even just knowing that everybody was there and that, you know, I think I would have been so disappointed if they hadn't had made it over. Then it was time to think about their opponents. After four years of playing college hockey in the United States, Roshi knew them well. We had five or six girls that had gone to the States, so we definitely knew their team very well. Um, and what does that mean? I think every country has a different mindset and how they approach games, a different style. You know, the US are very attack orientated. Um, they're very strong, quick, athletic. So we knew all that and we knew individual strengths as well. You know, we could tell you the names, um, the ages, the heights probably of each of the US girls. Like we had done our homework very well. Um, we had all their pictures on our phones, everything. So yeah, we, we were definitely prepared. <laughs> 
and it was game on. It was my first first touch of the World Cup. I was on the pitch about 20 seconds and I just uh, made a lead. The ball came through and to be honest, I didn't really have that much time to think about it. I had kind of hit it and I hit, hit the backboard, you know, before before I had time to, to really think about it. And I, I don't know, there's a there's a video of, of the goal and I think I look more shocked than anything else that, you know, that I was, you know, that it, that it went in. The ball she actually trapped to score that goal is ridiculous. Like that ball was lambasted the whole length of the pitch at shin height and she managed to control it in a World Cup game. First one ever, the first few minutes in a, like, it's actually, it's, it's crazy. Do you know what I mean? But it just set the scene and we all kind of, I think, just went... We're going to do this. Do you know that kind of way? And it just gave us that real belief. Deirdre's mum, Greta, was in the stands. I was extremely emotional, Brenda. My mother had passed away on the 7th of July, and this was the 21st of July. And Deirdre came on the pitch, I think, three or four minutes after the match had started. And she had scored within a minute and a half of being on the pitch. And I thought, I couldn't help thinking that this is my mother. Like she's up there. Like she's on Deirdre's boot, and she's, you know, she's 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 pushing that ball. I, you know, it was it was that's the way I felt. And Deirdre's boyfriend was very close to me when we saw her coming on the pitch. We, uh, Deirdre's boyfriend and myself, always joke, "There's going to be plenty of goals now. Here she comes." You know, which is not the truth. But we, it's, we're joking. You know, we're joking. And 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 we had no sooner said it when Deirdre had scored the goal. And I mean, that goal was like watching paint dry for me because it was a, kind of a one-on-one is that what you call yeah, it but she was it, it was just the way she the way she dragged the goalkeeper out and we thought the ball is never going to go in she's not this is not going to happen because goalkeepers tend to lie down <laughs> in front of the goal and all this gear to wear and everything but I don't know how she did it but she just slipped the ball in and like we went mental I have to say the people on the sideline it was the most fabulous memory for me and when she scored the second one that's right, a second goal. Brenda, I stood up on the sideline and started to dance with another player's father. We were dancing on the sideline. Some random lady from England took a video of us and sent it to dear On Instagram, on yeah. Instagram. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. It's Nikki Evans' dad and her just yeah. dancing on the sideline. But it was, it was just a phenomenal experience. It really, really was unbelievable, you know. And I think because it was so close to losing my mother it was just a wonderful high and I was it was emotional a very emotional time it really was Deirdre will remember those goals to score two goals in any international game is is is, is a good feat but um you know the first game of the world cup it's uh it's, it's something I'll cherish for a long time with Deirdre's two goals and another one from Shirley McKay Something happened in that match. As a team, things just clicked that night. We were we were untouchable. We were passing the ball like you know we've never passed it before, and you know things were things were just working. Everyone was on the same page. We were just clicking, and that was probably our best game of the World Cup. The whole team, everybody played out of their skins. You know, there wasn't one standout player. They all stood out. It was one of the best days, one of my proudest days, seeing Ali playing on such a huge stage. And just to see how happy she was, like it was one of the best days of the whole tournament for me. But just after the game, to see the girls running over, like they were only short of jumping over the barrier, everybody wanting to hug their parents and just the smiles, like cracking their faces wide, you know, it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. It was just, yeah. It's a rare occasion after a match that my dad doesn't have something to say and he was just walking up and down with the biggest smile on his face and you just couldn't... I don't even think you could believe it either that it was just... It had exceeded expectations. Even if we thought we were going to beat USA, we never thought we'd do it in that manner so comfortably. 
so composed. It was, you know, it was in many ways a perfect performance. It just gave us that confidence going into the next game. Do you know what I mean? That win was just, it was just crucial. It really, really was. It was a turning moment for all of us. And the momentum created by those three goals brought the team through the pool stages of the tournament to the quarter-finals of the Hockey World Cup against India. The team was focusing on their next match, August the 2nd, but support for Ireland's hockey heroes was building outside. All the supporters would go down and wait for them to come out of their dressing rooms and the whole Irish started a sing-song. <laughs> and we were actually, you know, probably a thousand people there then at that stage only in the first game, and everyone was singing, and it was like we had won the World Cup, and the USA passed, and everyone was looking, and, <laughs> like, all their faces were down, but a lot of people came down saying, what's happened? We said, we just won a game. And I said, a game? And I said, yeah, we won. <laughs> and I actually found that buzz, because we've never experienced that before. It was so euphoric and I suppose when you're Irish and you're away and you're waving the Irish flag, you kind of, we're allowed to go mad on the sideline, aren't we? I mean, Irish people just do that and, and, and everybody, you know, people who would be really quiet and sophisticated in Dublin, you know, they all let their hair down and, you know, people went just went nuts, basically. <laughs> and you do get away with it when you're Irish and... and um, everybody got everybody got you know jumped on the bandwagon mm. and just had the crack Brenda really you know there was lots of people that I would have bumped into that go back years you know before the girls were even thought of shall we say who were all hockey heads it was lovely to bump into people that I wouldn't have seen for years like even within the parents whatsapp group you know give your numbers how many tickets do you want so like you'd see it all going in you know I need three tickets, you know, so that's fine. Then, you know, an hour later, sorry, I need five. Sorry, I need eight. Sorry, I need 20. You know, and it was just constantly changing. So, like, everybody knew we were ringing and saying, you know, can you get me tickets? Can you get me tickets? And the demand was going in. But that was just exciting. Look at all the people looking for tickets. And because there were so much underdogs, even when they won the USA match, it was like, well, that's it now. We've, no matter what happens from here, it was worth it. It was brilliant. They went to a World Cup and they won a match. Everything was a bonus afterwards, but the bonuses just kept on coming and coming and coming. And oh, I was brilliant. <laughs> but the team didn't really understand how excited we were about their success, as Roshin explains. It must have been the quarterfinal against India, and we were on the bus on the way in, and I was the DJ, so we have a particular set of songs that we would play all the time. Um, so it was on the last song just as we pulled in and you see the stadium on your right and you can see um, the fans, you know, up in the big stand. And then we saw this young family, um, you know, it was a husband and wife and it was a young little girl and boy and they had all green jumpers and a big Irish flag. And we started knocking on the windows, waving to them, you know, and it should have been the other way around. But we were all skitting laughing and then we were kind of looking at each other saying, who's mum's that or who's aunt? Or, and everybody was like, it's not mine. It's not, I don't know who they are and we're like oh my god there's people here supporting us that aren't our family <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah we were just pinching ourselves I 
as we as we progress, messages started to come in, like, you know, your Twitter followers go up and, you know, it's all, all a bit strange. Like, and, you know, we got a we got a, a letter from Leo Vradker and, you know, Michael D. Higgins, I remember um, Graham, you know, reading it out in a meeting and, you know, then the, the newspaper... Um, you know, you'd see photos of the front of the newspapers, and we'd be ac- we'd be across every newspaper in in the whole country. You know, and it, you're kind of looking at it and thinking, oh, it's not really, re-, you know, it's not really real. I don't think we appreciate at all what 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 really went on at home. We were in a bubble, and that was our bubble. We, you know, we're told, God, it's kicking off at home. You know, people are going crazy. People are watching here and there, but you can't, you can't kind of completely understand it until you see it or experience it and we didn't get that until we got back to the homecoming. The match against India in the quarterfinals was tense as Roshan's mum Pauline and brother Sean recall. It's a sea of green, you know, and Irish being the Irish, like it's a sing song, everyone is singing, everyone is cheering and you're kind of looking at all the stands and the atmosphere more than the pitch half the time because the buzz is brilliant, isn't it? Like the roars and screams, wasn't it? it was the games start and they're, they're really loud and they're loud because you're just excited but as it goes on and you see that actually you have a chance in this game, it gets quieter and you get more and more nervous. It ended in a nil-all draw. It was now down to penalties with five players from each team stepping up to the 23-metre line each with eight seconds to score. So three penalties left at this stage. It was still nil all. Roisin, who was not rated as a penalty taker, stepped up. Why did she do so? I think it's the overall feeling that you have on the day, you know, about yourself. If you're playing well and you're high in confidence, you know, you're going to back yourself. I actually asked Roisin, why did you stand up and take that? (laughs) You missed so many. (laughs) (laughs) And she just said, because I believed I'd get it. You know, yeah. and she, no, I wasn't worried, man. I believed I backed myself. And now the pressure is on. The whole place goes silent. Everyone is standing up. You mm. can actually feel the excitement, you know, all mm. over the place. Like. Roisin Upton. Trying to drag it wide. She scored it. Limerick's Roisin Upton. Place for Cork Harlequins has given Ireland a one goal lead. And then it went in, yeah, oh my god. Immediately. (laughs) Immediately thought of my mum up in the stand. (laughs) Why is she taking it? (laughs) I turned to her and said, Why is she standing up doing this to me? (laughs) And then when she got it, it was torture, torture. It's, it's it's a tough eight seconds to endure. I owe everybody in heaven lots and lots of prayers, you know. I, mean, I, I was constantly praying, praying tonight, you know. Just, just, just make sure this bar goes in. So. Yeah. Doris brother passed away three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. If there is if there is an afterlife, Ned was here yeah. pushing it in for you. Yeah. And that's what we actually said, didn't we? The relief I felt was the relief for, for her, for her yeah. and nearly for their team that, that they've achieved so much but just getting here and how hard they've worked and the effort it's taken to get to where she is, it's the relief that it's all been worthwhile to get to that moment. And then Ali approached the 23 metre line. Her mother, Adrian, still carries the video around with her. It's on my phone. How often um, do you look at it? <laughs> on a regular basis, it has to be said. <laughs> okay, the... Oh, I do look nervous, don't I? You do look nervous. <laughs> 
You were nervous. I was nervous. I was nervous. Here we go, anyway. Action. Ali Meek now. Try and put Ireland two up. Force the pressure on India. She's got it. Cleverly done. Really, really cleverly done. She'd only ever scored one goal internationally for her country in the past. It's just mad. Like, when you watch it, you go, that's me. Like, That was uh, the craft and the skill of a a deadly finisher. Beautifully done. Uh, As a parent, everything goes through your head. You know, if she doesn't get this, you first think the negative. If she doesn't get this, it's going to totally destroy her. If she gets it, if she scores, she's going to be on top of the world. But you just don't know because it is literally 50-50. I was standing on the steps, kind of backed away from the other supporters, actually. I was standing with one of the other mums. And the two of us were there, like, I think we were white ashen, you know. Did you look? (laughs) I looked, yeah. I did all I had to look, yeah. But um, what I didn't expect was um, the way in which she scored. It was just unreal. Ah, and the relief. <laughs> She's just reliving the old experience there again. <laughs> I think it's probably was the closest I've come to vomiting at a hockey match. Later, <laughs> like sweaty hands. <laughs> oh yeah, it it's uh, it was a difficult one, a really really difficult one to watch. None of us want our own to be the one up there. To falter if, if that's the way it's going to be, yeah. yeah. Obviously, you want the glory if the goal is scored, but yeah. yeah, there's always the flip side as well, so yeah. Ali's sister, Jess. I, I was just so nervous for her, but I could see that she had this kind of look of just control in her, and I was okay, like she wouldn't step forward and say, I can do this if she didn't think she could. Still didn't stop me from nearly fainting. I swear I started hyperventilating. I did. I wasn't standing with mom. I was with some friends and I was holding on to these two people for dear life. I started seeing black spots. I actually didn't watch the penalty live and could barely see the replay on the screen. But I heard the crowd roar and I literally fell on the ground. So I actually didn't watch it until after the game. I had to go back and get someone to show me the replay to actually see it. Yes, so Ali scored the second goal and Chloe Watkins scored the third. The team were through to the semi-finals of the Women's Hockey World Cup. Saturday, 4th of August was the day of the semi-final. It ended with one goal each for Ireland and Spain. Then another penalty shootout. That ended level and then a sudden death playoff. So All right, well, look, at you're listening to Saturday Sport and you're 10 seconds away, possibly, from hearing Ireland reach the World Cup final. Time to be a hero, Ireland. Is Irish sporting history about to be made? Are they about to have a team into a world-level final? A team, as Pinder steps up, she pushes the keeper towards the right. She's gone onto the keeper's side, <laughs> And Ireland makes <laughs> history here. They are to the Hockey World Cup final time. Oh my goodness, Anya Connery wow. has tears in her eyes here. <laughs> as is. someone who soldiered with the team for so long. To put this into context, 90 teams entered the competition trying to qualify for the World Cup. 16 qualified. Out of those 16, Ireland were the second lowest ranked team and here they are, top two in the world. Oh my God. Ali was overcome. The rush, the sheer surge of just 
pandemonium is what it felt like in my brain, which is pandemonium. Every single emotion you could probably list off happened at one time. And we all just ran and jumped on each other and literally black spots, black spots is what I was seeing for, for a little bit of time. And then slowly but surely I caught my breath and we, we went on our, on our lap and it really slowly sunk in, which is mad. Crazy dream, dream come true. Do you know, like yeah. more than a dream come true. Do you know, I can't, I actually can't really even put into words still. Deirdre describes the emotion. There was a lot of tears after after a lot of the games. I mean, when we qualified for the quarterfinals, there was a lot of tears in the changing room. After we won the quarterfinals, there was tears, and there was certainly tears after the semifinal, you know. Um, I remember sitting in the changing room, and uh, one of our, our, our former coaches, Joe Brennan, came in, and, you know, he was crying, and I was crying, Arlene Boyles was crying. It was just... It, it actually makes me emotional even thinking about it, because it's, it's just um, beyond our wildest dreams, like, you know. Yeah, one of the things that, that we began as a squad uh, to do after, it was about February, we started to um, sing a song. Um, it's High by the Lighthouse family, I think, after every game we won. Like, singing that in the changing room after the semis, like, all huddled around, you know, it's just absolutely incredible. Like, it's, it's something like, you know, I suppose the lyrics of the song are quite apt, you know. When you're close to tears, remember Someday it'll all be over One day we're gonna get so high When you're close to tears, remember um, Someday it'll all be over, one day we're gonna get so high So, you know, we sang, we've sang that a lot of times When we've barely scraped in a 1-0 win over Scotland And, you know we're in Glasgow and it's not very glamorous at all. And then, you know, to be able to do it after you win a semi-final of a World Cup and the whole squad's there, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a bit, it's a bit surreal. It was a long journey to this point for each of these players. I travelled to meet them and their families Come to, the kitchen, I'll show you our wall of to find out more. Right. Sorry, he's bringing me on a tour now. Well, I hope everywhere is spotless. When I reached Roisin Upton's family home in Limerick, her dad Dermot brought me into the kitchen. This is our wall. That's Sean with Munster under 19s. That's Dermot. He played with on Mold School Gaelic Football. Dermot again. There were photos of brother Dermot and Sean, photos of Roisin, photos of soccer teams, GA teams, rugby teams, and hockey teams. This is a sporting household. You must be so proud. They've just yeah. reached their potential, you know. That's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Roisin's yeah. mum, Pauline, had other plans. I was so excited after two boys to have a girl. Yeah. And bought her millions of dolls. Dolls' houses, ribbons and bows. And she passed them out. <laughs> All I remember as a child, the Roche would just play with the lads and play with balls and play with Lego and play with anything except the dolls. That's, that's, that's my favourite one. Myself and Sean on the underage team. Yeah. Look at you, you were some tomboy. <laughs> I'm such a tomboy, yeah, I know. <laughs> and there was no one getting the ball here, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're holding the ball yeah. and nobody's getting it. No. I love it. That's a, that's a boys under under uh, under twelve county medal she has. This one here is a semi. That's absolutely astounding. Yeah, Congratulations! Oh, the girls! Her dad Dermot spotted her potential early on. She was born the first of April, 
and she, <laughs> she was born on the 1st of April and she took uh, six steps the first week in December. Give me that again. I have to do my sums Eight then. months. Eight, Eight months. months in a week she took six steps. Albeit chasing a bit of chocolate, you know. Yeah. That, that, I was, that I was holding in front of her, you know. <laughs> so she was a quick learner and she had a head start overall the other girls because... Mm. She played against the boys in the back garden. I would referee it, but I would never referee and intervene based on her gender. I'd mm. referee based on her age, if they were too tough for her, you know. She never got any, I never cut her slack, and that stood to her down the road, you know. So she went into school that bit tougher, that bit faster, but that bit smarter from playing sports with her brothers. And would, would you agree with that, Roshi? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think so. Um, it's probably the opposite way around. I was probably killing my brothers. There's absolutely no probably about it. You were. Definitely killing your brothers <laughs> at the backyard. I remember from a young age, Roisin was always on my team or the team below and there was always talk about Roisin. I was doing my best to be the best person on the team and it was never, oh, your sister's so good at sport. She's so much, so amazing and never got the recognition I deserved. <laughs> you know, people can get embarrassed or whatever. She said, oh, no, not my sister on the team again. I didn't mind because she was actually better than most of the other people on the team. So mm. she improved the team. So you can't really begrudge her that when she was scoring most of our goals and, and, and things on the team. So many sporting options. Why did Roshan choose hockey? And so when I kind of found, fell into hockey and I wasn't good at it, I think it was the challenge that really sucked me in to want to get better. Um, and at the same time, you're kind of making friends into secondary school. It really eases you in when you're playing a sport. Mm. Roshan showed flair. So Dermot and Pauline started to explore hockey scholarships to the United States. Yeah, I wrote to a few different universities and just said my daughter has played for Ireland under 16s and 18s and been on the Munster teams. And yeah, I didn't know about it. I didn't tell her. Yeah, I had no interest initially. Um, I'd heard about a couple of people going um, in the years leading up to being in sixth year and I was just set on staying in Limerick. I wanted to make the Irish senior team but I think mum and dad eased me into the idea of it. Um, did you not have a moment where you went, Mom, what did you do? <laughs> she definitely did. Yeah. I said, look, Rose, we got an email, you got a place. And she, place where, Mum? <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> I applied for you. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been hard. Yeah, I think it was actually talking to my brothers that encouraged me to go because they had been through UL and they had said, you know, like you have this insane opportunity and I was like yeah but I don't want you know I don't want an insane opportunity I just want to do what all my friends are doing what everyone else is doing and you know I think sometimes when you hear it from your brothers it's different than hearing it from mommy and daddy yeah. um so yeah so I set off um to Yukon so I I think everybody should have your mother in their lives you know fighting and your corner and no saying, I think you she didn't. wouldn't have enough time to be my personal assistant <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Roshan returned to Ireland after a very successful university hockey career. Like Roshan, Deirdre loved sport as a child, as her mother Greta recalls. Deirdre was always um, a bit special at sport, Brenda. I suppose the first thing we noticed when she was really small, we, we in the country that we have things called field days, it's the fundraisers, parochial kind of little fundraisers. And Dib always wanted to win all the medals, the under six, the under seven, the under eight, the under nine, and she did. And other mums would be saying to me, will you take her out at the races? She's winning out, you know, little people putting in their own little kids. And she was a, kind of, a, you know, a thorn in their sides because she was picking up all the medals for all the age groups. So we sort of we knew when she was very young. And I suppose the, the first thing, well, that was running, and I suppose all children run, but 
we brought her down to Kilmacud Cokes when she was very young to try her at Gaelic football and um, I remember meeting a man John Sheridan is his name and he said look we don't take kids this young she was only eight I think at the time and he was really giving us the thumbs down and he said well look we'll give her a little run around to see you know and just so she wouldn't go home disappointed and he just said immediately you know we're going to make an exception to the rule and they took her and honestly that's the absolute truth and you know when I meet John Sheridan to this day we talk about that because when he saw her playing he thought this one is well able you know she was under age but she was well able at the time yeah Yeah, she started at eight yeah she started at eight and I suppose that was the start of it then that was really the start of Deirdre punching above her weight you know so we all think our children are special okay what I'm trying to get at is I suppose what Deirdre had where she got that drive to want to win the medals, to be the queen of the field days, and well, you know, honestly, all of that. Brenda, that is something I will never understand. Really, um, because I haven't got it. I don't think her dad has it. Whereas Deirdre would be devastated if she didn't win. She has a really strong competitive nature, and it, you're born with it, aren't you? Mm. One woman said to me recently, "How did you teach her?" to be like that and I said well you just don't you can't teach that yeah. you know you don't teach it it's, it's, no. it's in a child isn't it it is it didn't matter what she did in her life she gave it 120% and mm. that's, that's the truth you know so as a young sportswoman why did Deirdre choose hockey out of all the sports I've played I probably have the least national talent for hockey I would say yeah um, I, probably Gaelic football was the one that I, I just kind of had a, had an eye for I had a touch for you know if you have a natural flair for Ga. Yeah. Then why would you pick hockey over GA? <laughs> I mean, hockey was much bigger in my school than, you know, than Gaelic football. That was probably the first thing. Um, and secondly, I suppose I didn't like not being as good at hockey as I was at football, you know, and I suppose there was a drive in me to kind of, you know, become a better player and I kept wanting to get better and better. You know, winning in Ireland is, is, is amazing, like a senior, senior level, but, you know, the, the thought of, you know, representing your country and singing your national anthem and going to an Olympics is you know something that the, the GA can't give you you know so it's it's a different you know it's kind of a different kettle of fish I think that is a lovely cup of tea that it? is the nicest cup of tea I have I've been out made. I've been outside all day I'm only starting to get the feeling back of my fingers and toes now I called to Ali's home for tea and chat with Adrian, Jess and Ali that's lovely <laughs> one of the first things apart from the Halloween decorations mixed in with the Christmas which is quite unique yeah yeah, yeah is a hockey stick Explain. Yeah, so that that up there is my first ever hockey stick um, that I used to run around the club with, bashing hockey balls left, right and centre, probably wrecking everybody's head. But yeah, we kept it. We only found it there, actually. It was a few weeks ago. We were kind of clearing yeah, the house out, didn't we, I was we, doing a bit of clear out. I happened to find it under the stairs in the far corner. I guess I suppose it takes me back. It's quite nostalgic, isn't it, when you kind of pick up something like this and you remember, you know, you look back on kind of where you came up and, you know, where your passion kind of came from. Um yeah, under eight, if not even less. Like, look, it's tiny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I had this hockey stick with me, like, day in, day out. Every time, like, we spent the weekends up at the club. So I do remember hauling it around. And, like, look, it's it's fairly worn there. So it's, you know, it got its use. So I do remember dragging it around, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. And can you remember the first time you, you played hockey and you went click? Do you know what? I'm not going to lie, I can't, because I think it was kind of a click from, from the very beginning. At what age? Oh, what age did I... Th- well, I suppose your first Four exposure, you were about three months old going up well, to yeah. watch hockey matches, so <laughs> I think as soon as she could walk, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. Ali was around the pitch with big sticks, small sticks, whatever, yeah. Did you realise 
Actually, I'm good at this. Yeah, I think I did. I always kind of had that confidence, I suppose, didn't I? Um, but Dad actually coached me. I can't remember what age it was, underage. And did you get special treatment then? Absolutely not. I got the polar opposite. I'll never forget it. One week he gave me, I think it was a yellow card or a red card. I'd done something. And he sent me off. And I swear, tail between the legs, I marched off. And I don't think I talked to him for the rest of the day. So I think I actually got the opposite. <laughs> Was there sporting prowess from an early age? Yeah, it, it was something that was fairly obvious, to be quite honest. Um, and you, you could see it. I mean, she just had that extra bit of ability. She'd dribble up the pitch, but she also had a good head on her. Hockey is the family sport. Mom and dad, Jess, we go to each other's games. Mom and dad come to all of our games on the weekend. So it is completely like it's such a family thing. Like, you know we sit down for dinner on a Sunday and we talk about hockey or you know I haven't seen mom all week and I see her and we talk about hockey so it is so family orientated especially because we're all so heavily involved it's just like it's a common ground well we have loads of others obviously and this matters to Ali the support that they've given me is is actually difficult to put into words I probably actually haven't really said this is them so um mom's my mom like I'm I was always like a mommy's girl um like she's like my backbone um yeah, I know. There you, there you go, mom. Um, but it's true. Do you know what I mean? Like I was always a mommy's girl. I always went to mom. Like if I want a complete breakdown of my game, how did I go? I come to mom. I know she'll give me the honest answer. Um, I suppose dad. Then you know, he he coached me at a young age, and I think while I didn't maybe appreciate it then, I appreciate it now. All those kind of little tips maybe he was able to give me from a playing perspective. And again, like he's he's my quiet number one supporter. Do you know that kind of way? He's kind of a background man. Like he's quite soft and quiet, but he, he's always there and he always is my best interest at heart. Um, and then there's Jess, my best pal over there. She's my other backbone. If I had two backbones, it'd be the two of them. But do you know what I mean? She is just that proud sister and she always, always has my back and she's just always there. But even Hockey World Cup silver medalists have ups and downs. Even if you eat, sleep and breathe hockey, you might not be picked. Ali tells of a challenging time. Um, So when I first came into the squad, I was kind of consistently in it for two, three years leading up to the qualification for Rio. Um, And then I I found myself struggling um, to get into squads for big tournaments. Um, One of them being the qualifier for the World Cup. You know, it was it was a di- it was a difficult few years, and I really was kind of within my own head, and I did have a lot of self doubt, and you know, my confidence was knocked, and it took till the year before the World Cup for me to really kind of start to turn that around. Um, How did that happen? I was really lucky to have um, my coach Paul Fitz. Um, he just he flipped my confidence and he just gave me all that belief back and you know we'd have conversations where he just would without knowing it rebuild me I started enjoying it again I stopped caring so much without stop stopping to care if you know what I mean I I stopped worrying so much and I just said look what will be will be but yeah there was a lot of ups and downs and it was a battle and it was a I was walking a tightrope for a while just within my own head Um, I don't think it was ever an option for me to walk away but it's just that that self-doubt that lack of belief um, that can really kind of mess with you a little bit if you know what I mean It's all very fine everybody else believing that you're a great player and that you can do it but if you don't believe yourself it's not going to happen you know I do bottle things I don't really like talking about stuff but if you ask me about it no, you get your head snapped off. So yeah, it is, so totally, yeah, yeah, so totally. So it is It is a process that I kind of went through on my own for a while, but that was what I needed, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. As a hockey mum, 
Greta found it hard to watch Deirdre's disappointment. It's just so hard. It's so hard because there's years of training gone into it. And I mean, the people that are not picked are, are doing the exact same work as the people that have been picked. And I suppose for, you, you're just so gutted for your child, Brenda. It's, it's so hard. It, mm. I honestly would equate it to a bereavement. It was mm. gut-wrenching for me. I remember she, I just heard Deirdre crying in the bathroom. And I went into her and she couldn't speak to me. She was so emotional. She wasn't able, she was, there was tears going everywhere. And she was crying out loud and she's so not dramatic that I, I thought something terrible was wrong. I said, Deirdre, please, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, please tell me it's going to be all right. You know, I asked her, was she pregnant, actually? I, I, I was so, just please tell me what's wrong. And she, in, in, you know, she, she eventually got the words out. I, I wasn't picked on the squad. And, and she walked out the hall door. It was like four, four, five o'clock in the morning. And Brenda, I called my husband and said, look, I said, she's not picked on the team. She's gone out the hall door. It's four o'clock in the morning. It was February. It was freezing. It was the most lonely, horrible feeling. I've never felt anything like it. Oh, Brenda, it was horrendous. Mm-hmm. And I rang her phone. She brought her phone with her. And I said, Deirdre, please come home. It's dangerous. And I could hear her running on the street and sobbing her heart out. So how do you pick somebody up from that? I mean, it's, it was terrible. It was yeah. really terrible. It makes me feel emotional yeah, even thinking about it. Yeah, I could, I could actually yeah. cry even <laughs> thinking know. about that, you know. Like, there's something about not being picked, isn't it? It's the rejection that's so... It, it's just that feeling of it's, it's terrible, and it's, and it doesn't. You, a, a mum can't fix it. You just can't. You know, all the hugs in the world won't fix that, and then you have to live through all. You know, the social media, and, and all you're seeing the other girls are all packing their bags, and um, it was it was that was really hard, wasn't it? The, an injury can halt a player in her tracks. After playing at university. Roisin had double hip surgery and couldn't play for a whole year. You know, when you graduate, they do a whole body medical to see um, to see if you've any underlying injuries. And, you know, if you've had a niggle in the season that set you back a week, they want to know about it. Um, so I had had a couple of um, groin niggles and hamstring niggles um, and I just told them about it. So they, they decided to send me for some x-rays on my hips, which showed up um, just some extra growths and then we got some MRIs and ultimately I ended up having to get double hip surgery. Um, so I ended up staying out in America mm-hmm. for an extra an extra three or four months just to get through that. Yeah, that was in my last semester. You make it sound like you went and bought a 99. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. And to come back and then play for Ireland. And they do yeah. the hip surgery, Brenda, usually a year apart. Mm. But Roshan didn't want to be out for two years so she got both operations within four weeks of each other on each hip. Mm. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think you just accept that injuries are part of it. And I'd never really been phased before. I'd always known, sure, of course, you know, you never, you don't doubt yourself. You don't think what impact is this going to have on me necessarily. Maybe I was naive to it, but it wasn't until I got that double hip surgery and, you know, you want to just get moving and doing things straight away. Then then you realise how slow the whole process is actually going to be. So I'd hoped that I'd get back in time to make some Irish trainings in August to put my hand up. Um, for a selection for a European tournament, but that didn't come along. So it was it was almost a year later that I had played again. Um, so yeah, it was you know I think more than the physical element of it, it was the mental element of you know am I ever going to get back to to how I was? Will I ever actually put on a green jersey, which has always been the dream? Um, so yeah, the mental the mental your, side of injuries is your first cap was after a year after the double hip surgeries and you hadn't played hockey in a year mm. and she got mm. called up to the senior team to play over in Scotland we flew yeah, to wasn't it was a cold moment for us wasn't it yeah to actually yeah. see her and to, overcome, the, to overcome those injuries mm.
We've met three players on that squad, but each and every player brought their talent, their family support, their disappointments, their scars, their hopes and their dreams to the Lee Valley Stadium to face the Netherlands in a World Cup final on the 5th of August 2018. We're watching the clock, 20 seconds to go and Ireland have one final chance perhaps to try and do something here. Here they come, they're on the 23 metre line. The Irish girls moving forward, great work there by Nikki Evans. Can they manufacture something? No, they can't. And uh, back there defending once again was Lorink. We're down to the final seconds. The final hooter goes. Bitter, bitter disappointment for the Irish women's hockey team. Well, they look dejected. A lot of them down on their hunkers here as the Dutch girls celebrate behind them. But what a terrific effort. 6-0 the Netherlands have won. And there were mixed feelings. To be honest, it was disappointment. Um, you know, I think we really backed ourselves and I know there was mixed emotions for everyone, but for me, I didn't think that they were going to be 6-0 better than us. And, you know, all over again, that's the match that I'd love to replay, but you quickly snap out of it. Like, we got straight into the into the corridor and um, Spain had come third and they clapped us um, down the tunnel. So then we were lined up behind them as the second place team and then the Dutch came through and straight away, you know, we were singing songs again. And then the Dutch and the Spanish were joining in with us and it wasn't until they started singing the Dancing Queen ABBA song, I think that was the Dutch song, we were like, no, no, too much because that used to play every time they scored a goal. So we were like, I've heard that enough today. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it was, yeah, I mean... It sunk in as much as it could have in that moment that you stood there beside the Dutch, you were people you idolise um, in a World Cup final. Like we walked back in, in through the tunnel and, you know, the Spanish team were there and they, 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 they won bronze and they were applauding us. And, you know, and that was a, that was a strange, you were like, wow, like we've actually just won a silver medal, you know. So, you know, after a few minutes of kind of like slight disappointment, you know, you kind of said, get a grip. Like, you know, if you had to give me a silver medal and a, six, a 10 nil loss, you know, six weeks ago, I would have taken the hand off you, you know, so, um, so yeah, no, it was incredible. And, you know, even just walking out on the pitch and, you know, up to the podium and getting our medals and, you know, waving to the crowd, you know, we never waved to the crowd. <laughs> we got some team pictures and then we did a lap of honour and, I, you know, the security were trying to get us off the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still on the pitch a half an hour later, still soaking it all in. But I saw my mum and dad, they had come down to the edge of the railing, just at the side of the pitch um, and we got... We got a lovely picture there, um, and I don't, th- you know, I don't even know if we said anything to each other. We were just looking at each other, like, "What the hell?" You know, the last three weeks has just been the most surreal thing in the world, and we didn't even have to say anything. It was just looking at each other, like, "This is the most surreal thing," and just looking at the medal, the weight of it. Yeah, I suppose it was my parents. You know, I mean, it all comes back to them at the end of the day. You know, they're they're there when you know in in the good times, obviously, and and but they're also there in the bad times. You know, so. Um, yeah, like, you know, showing them and my dad, you know, I've uh, in the, the, the week, I suppose, after the World Cup, I got my 100th cap uh, in July and, you know, I would come home and he'd have the 100th cap on his head and the medal around his neck, you know, and, and that's it's those kind of moments that, you know, that you can give your parents that bit of, uh, you know, a bit of payback for all the years of, you know, lifts and ups and downs and everything, you know, that, you know that's, that's really special. In a way, it had felt like we won. Um, just purely getting to the final um, and winning a medal. So you felt that winning feeling. Um, But I think 
what added to that or why kind of I felt like that was it's just everything that you put in has finally paid off you know all the sacrifices you make all the early mornings you know the cold evenings the running in the rain you know the letdowns the ups all of these you know the friendships we've made the bond we had over the summer over the last years it was all worth it and you know we got what we deserved and I think that's what really added to that we we won that feeling of we won it was all worth it every single kind of moment where you kind of went like why are we doing this or you have to get up and go again and and it's worth it it it, it makes everything easy then and it you know that's what I felt like it was it was euphoric but there was also this kind of almost a sadness that it, it was over this is it like you know that's the final whistle this experience this trip for this group it's done now you know so while we had that winning feeling there was that little bit of sadness and it, it's wrapped up now that's it done do you know but a nice sadness in a good way if that makes sense this winter the team is back together training i cut up with them in their temporary home at st gerard's and bray i asked assistant coach arlene boyles what made this group so special i don't think they realize how good they are and I don't think they realise um, how much of an impact they have on the sport that they're choosing to play. Like, they're role models, and they probably don't know that yet. We couldn't give them enough praise. You know, we, we've wanted them to grab this with both hands because the opportunity doesn't come along often. And when it does, if you miss it, you're, you're going to really regret it. And these, these guys haven't missed it. And, you know, I personally couldn't praise them enough. Um, I just think they're an incredible bunch of people to spend a ridiculous amount of hours with. And now they're together again. I asked them what will they remember about 2018 in 20 years' time and what are they looking forward to, Roisin? I think it's probably just the group of people. Um, you know, I'm already looking forward to the 10 and 20 year reunions that we have. It's it's hard to explain the feeling of, you know, singing your national anthem in front of a, you know, a crowd of 10,000, you know, when you're playing against England or, you know, in the World Cup final. So it's only the, the group of 19 players I know what that feels like. So it's, um, yeah, it's an incredibly special bond that we have and, you know, something that we'll have forever. Where are we next? Are we off to the Olympics? Yeah, no, 100%. That's on the cards. Um, and, you know... I enjoy performing in front of a crowd and, and now we have that crowd we want to keep you know, captivating them so yeah see you in Tokyo and we hope to see them qualify for Tokyo 2020 the next Olympic Games I don't want for Christmas. and that's it from this very special Christmas-like family thanks to Arlene and to Deirdre, Ali and Roshin and their families for taking part in this programme and thanks to our colleagues in sport for their archive Thanks to Graeme Shaw and his team for a great summer of sport. Thank you for listening. And this programme was produced by Eileen Hearn. Make my wish come true.